From the beginning of human history, it seems there's always been some form of vampire. From your traditional bloodsuckers to the owls that fly at night. We're going to go through the history and the lore of our of the of the vampires. Mm. <laughs> oh, no. Wow. The history and lore of vampires. From biblical times to the future, where we will all be vampires. There. Wow. Oh, I think you... Riveting stuff. You could have done it. You can do it. Now, now I've tried it twice. Do your own version. I have I have no version of that, I'm afraid. I just thought with all the, you know, the weeks of preparation that we had building up to this, that maybe, you know, but who am I? I guess we'll just see people on the inside. You are now entering the realm of the Freaky Deaky. An unsuspecting stop at the crossroads of fantasy and reality, where the frayed edges of make-believe seep into this cookie-cutter, white picket world you've been led to believe is far from extraordinary. What you're about to hear are true stories. <clears throat> Alleged true stories. Christian, just... <sighs> okay. Tales of the strange and inexplicable thought only to exist in film and folklore. Although difficult to accept, we do not know everything about this reality about time or space, what lies beneath the ocean's depths. And try though we might, the unchanging truth remains. There are some things we legitimately cannot explain logically. and do the opening and then i sat down last last night to make sure i'm like okay i got everything I'm like no opening yeah that usually is the case with you isn't it there's always you're like, oh it looks perfect and then you get in here and you're like not as much anymore because i look at things like five times before we actually do oh, yeah. it well <laughs> maybe six next time yeah we haven't but, been through one where we where i've missed like a complete section in a while that's true yeah and uh it has been a few weeks since we sat down to record so that makes a lot more sense that you're a little rusty and that's fine honestly welcome back to the freaky deaky uh, she called the sleepy deepy today because you know what i'm tired and it is early in the morning and it has been a long weekend, and we're talking about vampires. So those are some things that you know now. Who's your favorite vampire? Edward? Well, I never really got into vampires, to be honest with you. They're so much fun. Yeah, I know there's a lot of good ones, but like I just never got in. I was like, ah, it's just weird. Not Count, real enough for you? Maybe Count Chocula. Everybody loved Count Chocula. At least Chocula. he gave me something, you know? Or the Count. No, not even the Count. The count is rather annoying, and I think everyone can agree with that. That's just because you're not into maths. Maths. Wow. Look at Christian trying to sound British now. Yeah, so welcome back. You guys know where to find us on social media at this point, right? It's at Freaky Deaky Pod. It has been a while since we sat down, as I mentioned. It feels it's always weird getting back into this. You know, I enjoy the, the week or so of free time that I get when I'm caught up with everything. And now I'm entering the hell cycle again, where episode editing leads to video editing, leads to a lot of crying. And then rinse and repeat that cycle, and we're going to be golden. Let me get a drink of this coffee. Me too. 
I unfortunately didn't make any cold brew, so I have to drink this hot coffee. It's too cold for cold brew. I don't know what's wrong with you. The thing about me, Christian, and your inner demons <laughs> that like to come to the surface is that when I'm thirsty, I like to drink things. So having hot coffee, I can't really just chug it. I need something cold so that I'm like, oh, I'm really thirsty and I want something that tastes delicious. Oh, and that's, yeah. I grab a cold brew and I drink it and I'm like, mm, yum, 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 yum. Great. Now I have a little bit of energy for 25 to 30 minutes. Instant gratification. Mm -hmm. The downfall of humanity, according well, to some people, not necessarily me. Wow. This is the episode for that. Yeah. So anyway, I was actually thinking about it yesterday, how, how strange it is that we don't do two-part episodes very often. And then I was like, oh, we got a two-part on vampires coming up. I was like, what was the last ones we did? I was like, ah, yes, a two-part on haunted dolls. So back to back back to backs isn't that some fun for everyone we're not here for that christian talk to me about vampires because i'm tired and send in your stories if you know any vampires to the gang at the freakydeaky.com and also maybe before we get started we should shout out a couple people i would like to shout out our new friend christopher from ireland we got a story from ireland we finally did it man it's been years and i was like i am waiting for someone to send in a story from ireland and so if you're from a different country I want to hear your stories next. Bring them in. Send them into the gang at thefreakydeaky.com. Also, shout out to Alaska Wild Project for having us on recently. That was fun. Yeah. I'm not sure if that episode's going to be out by the time this does. Maybe not, but maybe. Either way, if you're on our social medias, we'll let you guys know when it comes out. And if you want to hear some weird information about the show's origins that you may or may not appreciate, you can go check it out there. I don't understand why they wouldn't appreciate the They're, beginning. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you know what? I don't know either, man. It's a long form episode, though, so you'll have us for a while if you if you pay attention to it. Yeah, if that's your kind of thing. If you like, be like, hey, what are these two grown men? How do they start talking about ghosts and other stuff like that? But no, those guys were cool. It was a good time, and uh, and yeah, we think you guys would enjoy it. And if you don't, well, that's your fault. So, with all that aside, Christian's going to talk about vampires. I'm going to talk about the beginning, or what I labeled the first vampire. At any point in this episode, do you have the words, the world is a vampire? No, I do do not have a Smashing Pumpkins reference. Are you sure? Because yeah. if we get through this and you have it somewhere, I'm going to be disappointed. I'm disappointed I don't have it, no. Well, I'm glad you don't have it, actually, because I was like, wow, he said that phrase like 500 times over the course of this show, and I almost guarantee that it's somewhere in there, but it's fine. The world is a vampire. And there it is. So we're going to talk about Lilith, the first vampire. Come at me, bro. I like that one. Yeah, there you go. You know who Lilith is, right? I am aware. Yes. yes, I've heard many iterations of this story. Lilith is often considered the first vampire. Yet, she is not your typical image of the Bram, of the Bram Stoker style bloodsucker. That was not the... The line was a lot easier to write than say. Yeah, I didn't really feel a lot of energy in there either, Christian, if I'm being honest. Okay. Lilith is often considered the first vampire, yet she is not the typical image of the Bram Stoker, Bram Stoker, of the Bram Stoker mm. style bloodsucker. Yeah, you did it again. You just wanted to watch me fumble <laughs> it. She has origins in Jewish lore as the first wife of Adam. Many have not heard of her because she is not directly mentioned in the Bible, but many use the two contradictory versions of creation in Genesis as an example of her actually being there. Interesting. Yes. She was cre created from dust and earth as an equal to Adam. And as an equal, she refused to submit to her man. Mm -mm -mm. Because of this, religious leaders would group her with demons. Wow. 
classic. Yeah. They would speak of how Lilith incurred the wrath of God, so she fled to the Red Sea. Cast from paradise forever, she became a succubus. Which, Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Which means temptress of the quote, flesh. Quote unquote, innocent <laughs> men. Wow. I don't know how innocent. That's what's always so funny about some of these like older stories where they're like, the woman is the demon. They tempted the mm. innocent men. Wow. Like the men weren't out on that. I know. know. Yeah. Total misogyny. Wow. Get that <laughs> out of here, Christian. We're tired of it. You always put it in your episodes. I just It's just hilarious to me. Through history, she is considered to be the mother of demons and a monster that would take the life of children in ancient times. Hot. So Lilith is not a vampire we are familiar with today. But if you look closely, you can see how she was an influence on later myths. Everyone's squinting at their phones right now. Like, I don't see it. I oh, don't you, see it. Oh, you will if you're an innocent man. That's right. Yeah, she'll the appear rest, to you. The rest of us sinners don't need to worry. Rub my large head. That's not usually considered innocent men. They say that. Yeah, yeah Lilith enters and they just look up and they say. Rub my large head. Like, wow, very innocence revoked, sir. Yeah. Good day. I'm not interested in you anymore, no. mortal. And you know it's a small head. No. So... <laughs> In this episode, we're going to talk mainly, we're going to tell some old stories. Yeah. But I, I mixed in a couple different ancient. I ancient guess. tales, man. We yeah. love them here. And and that's the, yeah, the two part of this is, again, similar to what we did last with the haunted dolls is that we go into some of the, the popular and maybe even less, in this instance, less popular stories of old, but probably pretty popular. I There's a few in here I think yeah. people have heard before. And then in the following one, we kind of dive into some modern stories of people that have claimed to see vampires or what they can only describe as vampires. It's going to be uh, pretty interesting. We got some some old stuff, classic coming from Christian, and then we got the youth, the hip, the sus a little bit on some of these stories probably coming from me next week. I'm telling you, near the end, I'm going to tell you how I'm going to be. I'm, I'm aiming to become a vampire. I encountered a being. I hate that word. Is my boyfriend a demon? Is my boyfriend a demon? Imagine finding a town. Imagine finding. Imagine. God. Wow. Damn it. <laughs> imagine finding a town. Imagine finding. Felt, imagine. <laughs> imagine. Imagine. I felt like I was in a remix of a John Lennon song. <laughs> imagine all the people, you know? Imagine finding the town of Exeter, Rhode Island, just a few years after the American Civil War. Many young men did not return home after the war, making a sparse town further down on its luck. The family of George T. Brown and Mary Eliza Brown would have three children as they tried to survive a downturn in the economy of the area. Bad, bad George T. Brown. Baddest man in the whole damn town. That's right. The Mercy Brown vampire incident is a tragic tale from the late 19th century in Rhode Island, part of the broader New England vampire panic. Do you even know there was a vampire panic? You probably... Uh, vaguely, yeah. yeah. I, didn't, I didn't get a lot of information from it, but I definitely came across that. Yeah, like one of those ones that pop up every Halloween. Vampire panic. New England. Better than the witch panic. Yeah, but only by a little. And the prequel to the satanic panic. Hmm. So anyway, Mercy Brown, who died of tuberculosis in 1892, was one of several family members to succumb to the disease. In a desperate attempt to halt the spread of tuberculosis, a belief arose that one of the deceased family members might be a vampire, draining the life from the living. Mercy Lena, who was just a child when her mother and sister passed, didn't become ill until years later. And it is believed that she had a galloping case of TB. A galloping case, huh? Yeah. That sounds pretty advanced for TB. I don't TB, know if it's TB. advanced, but it's, I guess it's fast. Yeah, it makes clunky noises. Yeah. Okay, so this was a galloping case, one where the symptoms would show and then dissipate for years. So I guess that's what it means. Should have 
waited another line. Yeah, uh, that's usually the case with us. Yeah. Edwin, upon hearing of Mercy's deteriorating condition, came home to the family farm. Mercy would finally succumb in January of 1892, and the town prayed that Edwin's health would improve. And it did. But certain town folks had a different idea on their mind, and they came to the Father George with a macabre idea. Mm -hmm. It was believed by the locals that the cause of the family's misfortune is that one of the brown women who was previously interred was not truly dead. Racist. How is that racist? Say that sentence again. Tell me it's not racist. Previously interred, one of the Mercy Brown women who was previously interred was not truly dead. I don't get it. Mm. But instead, undead. And that she was preying on Edward. Edward. Edwid. So wow. Got the Edward That's on my mind. And that she was preying on Edwin, draining him of, of his life. George Brown gave permission on March 17, 1892, for them to, to exhume the graves of the Brown women. Both Mary and her daughter, Mary Olive, were decomposing at a natural rate. But when they opened the coffin of mercy, they were shocked. She was in pristine condition. She'd passed two months earlier, yet she showed no signs of decomposition. They determined she was indeed a vampire and her heart was removed and was burnt on a nearby rock and the ashes mixed into a tonic for Edwin to consume oh, okay. in the hopes of curing him. Well, that must be arguably one of the worst tasting tonics of all time. I agree. So... And he probably died because... <laughs> Edwin died two yeah. months later. Yeah, that that checks out for sure. He's like, <laughs> hey, drink this dead lady's body. Okay, what could possibly go wrong? That was the thing, though. They would... They would uh, drink dead people's bodies? Why not? Yeah. yeah. I, uh, there were many instances when I was doing the research where that was one of the beliefs. I mean, we did talk about... we When we were driving to that, that podcast, today, we talked about how bad people in the old day must have smelled all the time constantly right yeah. so maybe it wasn't even that bad it's just like i mean drinking this person's heart ashes or whatever is kind of a well if anything it's like a dessert on top of this already horrible concoction of smells that is constantly bombarding me at any moment's notice yeah sounds like one of those weird things rich people do perhaps yeah he's getting into the conspiracy stuff that rich people do isn't that right christian that's what i'm doing is yeah. my boyfriend a demon? No. Now, what was the cause of Mercy's unusual lack of decomposition? Was she an undead vampire stalking the living to feed her need for blood and tissue? Yes. The true answer is actually quite simple and probably not thought of at the time. It was cold. Preserved her. Mercy died in January. The ground was quite hard from the freezing temperatures, and so in lieu of putting her in the ground, she was placed in an above-ground crypt in the cold of Rhode Island. Wow. So I actually got it right? Wow. Yeah, that's yeah, that's awesome. Way to go me. Way to go me. Everyone take a minute to applaud. Yay. Yeah. Wow. Very energetic. Thank you. I'm not used to it. First time. <laughs> so on the first thaw, they interred her into the still cold earth. In layman's terms, they made a corpsicle. Wow. That is not layman's terms. That's really weird terms. Laymen are weird. Her body froze in the above ground crypt and they placed the coffin into the cold earth, so naturally it didn't de decompose as it should have. But it made a good story, and the Brown family collected the newspaper clippings on the incident, and it became family history. The story of Mercy Brown would inspire many in their visions of the vampire. It is believed that an 1896 copy of the story made its way into the hands of a London stage manager by the name of Bram Stoker. Dracula was published in 1897, and the rest is history. Also, that's why we have an episode on it. That is true. This is a historic episode. Thank you, Mercy and Edwin. Thank you, Mercy and Edwin. Yeah. Thank you for drinking the ashes. Wow. Disgusting. 
Isn't that interesting? I'm stuck on the drink in the ashes. Yeah, that it's is, hard to get past, man. That is like that's that's like grosser than yellow jackets crashing an airplane and and eating their fellow cheerleaders. No, they were Spoilers. they were soccer players. Sorry, Spoilers. cheerleaders. Wow, who's the misogynist now? Huh, I Christian? did. I was like, when, you can tell which era I was born in. It just was automatic. Rub my large head. Wow. Mm-mm. I I was born at the end of the era where you could say that to women in the office. And not be canceled. And be like, oh, Steve. Yeah. You dirty bird. Not that we condone that. But, but not that we also don't condone that. We do do not condone that, Scott. Okay, I guess we don't condone that. That's you fine. have not read the Freaky Deaky Handbook. We do not oh, condone that Oh, my goodness. That you and your handbooks, they don't exist. Thank God. There's not a single handbook, Christian. I know this. I'm happy about that. So I'm still working on it. Come at me, bro. I don't know where I said that one, but. I'm going to give you two other examples of some ancient lore. You hear that, folks? we got two other examples coming in hot. They both might be pronounced a little bit wrong because we're not from the region. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm going to go with Empusa. Okay, that feels wrong, but sure. E-M-P-U-S-A. Sounds like Empusa. I think it's actually Impusa. Or Impusa. There you go. Yeah, what you have to do is just say it as dramatically wrong as you can. That Any other variation of that is going to sound way better in comparison. True. Is she actually a Lilith? I don't know. Just heard it for the first time right now. The figure of in, of Impusa is a shape-shifting female demon or monster in Greek mythology. Oh, yeah. She was often depicted as a beautiful woman who did, seduced young men. I'm assuming they were young, innocent, quote-unquote. Well, men. yeah, Christian, of course they were. Because that's the genre. Doesn't take much to seduce a dirty heathen, does it? It's got to be innocent. Exactly. There's no fun in... The dirty heathens. So she just seduced them, then consumed their flesh and blood. According to some version of the myth, she was a servant of the goddess Hecate. Puza was known to be a fearsome and deceptive creature, and her story was often used as a cautionary tale to warn against succumbing to temptation. Well, that is a, a good tale to spread. I'm curious next week on more of the modern stories, if some of these same, like mm. the innocent men and uh, this that kind mm. of stuff, I don't know about that. There, There's some weird ones in there. And for me personally, like I said, I've never like fully believed in vampires. Me neither. And like, just because there's a few things that like glaring holes in any possibility of that happening. But so most of the stories that I got for for next week, I'm even skeptical on a lot of them. I'm like, yeah, oh, this feels like perhaps a bit of a stretch, but a couple of them are a little unexplainable too. So where I believe the story, but I'm not entirely sure it's, you know what, folks, let's just wait till next week to hear them. I'm not going to dive in and spill the beans, if you will. I encountered a bean. I'm just going to wait and you guys can hear him next week. We'll see you next. No, it's yeah. Cut it. Oops. Cut it short. Oops. A daisy. Near the end of this episode, we'll come up with a couple of our ideas on what may be the cause of vampires. And you're and, not going to believe the last one. So you're going to want to keep listening. Yes. You're going to want to keep doing that. The Do top it. 10 reasons we have vampires. The, the last one will blow your mind. <laughs> next up is another Greek vampire. La Mia. La Mia. That sounded way too Italian. Yeah. Vampires as they are commonly understood in modern folklore, are not a part of Greek mythology. However, ancient Greece did have its share of mythical creatures and entities related to death, the afterlife, and blood. One of the most famous figures associated with blood drinking in Greek mythology is Lamia. She was originally a beautiful queen of Libya, became a child-eating demon after her children were destroyed by Hera. Is my boyfriend a demon? And Hera was, of course, the wife of Zeus. Of course. Don't know too many of those. Yep. Lamia was said to have the ability to take her eyes in and out of her sockets and had a fondness for drinking the blood of young children 
Over time, she became a symbol of female sexual monstrosity, monstro- monstrosity, I'm monstrosity sure. and child killing, often depicted as a seductress who lured men to their doom. Now, is the holding and putting back of eyes in their sockets like a party trick, or is that like useful in some way? Like, she's like, I really need to see what's underneath this door, and just pops one of her eyes out and rolls it under. I mean, I could see a bunch of different reasons why somebody might do that if they could. Let me see around the corner. They're shooting. There you go. Yeah. There might be a different monster. There might be a werewolf around the corner. Let me check. Meanwhile, the POV from around the corner just sees an eyeball that a yeah, hand is holding pop out from the side of the wall. And, and maybe that's how it freezes her prey. She just holds her hands out with two eyeballs and you're frozen in there. Like, well, and then she seductively hmm. caresses and bites your neck. Wow. Oh, that's the wrong vampire. Ooh, yeah. Rub my large head. You and that. Well, you got to say something weirder for me to replace it. Christian, that's the way the soundboard works. Moving on, we're going to talk about another story. Arnold Paul, Serbian Serbian vampire. Hmm. And his name is Arnold Paul? Paul. Paul. Good. Paul? I don't know how to, I mean, it's Serbian. I don't know how to pronounce that name. How's it spelled? P-A-O-L-E. Paul. Sounds a little bit more Italian, but. Wow. Well, I'm Italian, Christian. Have you noticed that everything I try to say sounds Italian? Yes, I have. So Arnold died. Arnold. And Arnold died in 1726. He obviously did not stay dead. Or Otherwise, he might not be in this episode. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. What we know about this case comes from the reports of two Austrian doctors. Their names were Glacier, Glasser. I was like, their names were Glacier. Wow. Glasser and Flukinger. Of course. Yeah. Paula, Paula, Paula. Yeah, Paula. That's the one. I mean, it's okay. Whatever. Arnold was a military official who had moved from a Turkish-controlled part of Serbia. He had mentioned that he had been troubled by a vampire in and around Kosovo, which could have possibly been Kosovo. Hmm. He had overcome this by curing himself, he said. He had eaten souls. Okay, here we're, it's not a, like an ash drink, body ash drink. It wasn't a body ash drink? Ash hmm. drink, like, like the previous guy, Edwin. Great. But he'd eaten soil from the gramp from the vampire's grave, along with smearing himself with its blood. You know how sometimes you get like a grain of dirt on a food and you can, the second you bite into it, you can tell it's dirt. Yeah. Because of that loud cracking noise that happens. Mm-hmm. What would be the feeling of eating it, like just soil? Wouldn't that be the exact same thing? Vampire grave soil. So you're going to have decomposing oh, beautiful. flora that's in the in organisms that are in the dirt. So it's going to probably be earthy tasting. Earthy would be yeah, a really nice way to put it. Yeah. A little bit more earthy than we're, we typically mean by that, though. Yeah. I just I just imagine the crunch of eating just a handful of dirt. Does that does not. Maybe you just swallow it. You can't. You're not going to be able what to is break it, the, it down. The cinnamon challenge, man. You can't. You're going to need some water immediately. You're going to be coughing. You're not going to be able to swallow just straight up soil. People were different back then. They probably washed it down with some beer. Wow. Some ale. Yeah, a flagon of ale. So for what remained of his life, he felt that a vampire had cursed him. He would die in 1725 when he broke his neck, falling from a hay wagon. Within a month's time, four people complained that Arnold was plaguing them. And they all died shortly after. Forty days after his death, officials would advise villagers that Arnold's grave should be opened up. Once it was, they noticed the obvious signs of being a vampire. He was in there, drinking a cup of blood. Yes. 
So I, I wrote, I put trigger warning in here. I don't remember exactly why, but I think we're going to get a little gross. Nice. The corpse was not at the level of decomposition that the villagers had expected. His veins were filled with fluid blood and fresh blood had flowed from his eyes, nose, mouth, and ears. The shirt, the covering, and the coffin were completely bloody and the old nails on his hands and feet along with the skin had fallen off and new ones had grown. His body was red, his hair, nails, beard had all grown again, according to the villagers. Concluding that, that he was indeed a vampire, they drove a stake through his heart, which caused him to groan as if he were alive. Oh. <laughs> that done, they cut off his head and burnt the whole body. Now that's interesting. They then disinterred his four supposed victims and performed the same procedure to prevent, to prevent them from becoming vampires as well. As is tradition. Yeah. But wait, there's more. There was a second outbreak. And some of this information comes from the BUSU EDU blogs. So the BUSU EDU. Yeah. So the BUSU EDU. It's basically, I don't remember which college it is, but it's a college website. Yeah. So later in 1731, in the same area, 17 people died of symptoms of vampirism mm. in a matter of three months. Oh, no. Townspeople were slow to act until a young girl said a man named Milo, who had recently died, had attacked her during the night. Word was sent to Vienna about the attacks and the Austrian emperor ordered an inquiry be conducted by the regimental field surgeon, Johannes Flukinger. Flukinger headed to Medvedia in, on December 12th and ga gathered accounts of what had happened. Milo's body was in, disinterred and found in a similar state uh, to Arnold's. It was, <laughs> this is where it gets kind of fun. It was determined that Arnold had vampirized several cows. So he'd basically just sucking on cow. Yeah. Do you think he got some milk while he was at it? Add some calcium to that? You, you don't remember milk and blood don't, don't mix from Lost Boys? I have never seen Lost Boys. You've so. never seen the Lost Boys? That's a classic vampire movie from the 80s. Mm, I don't. I can't say that I have, Christian, I'm afraid. Listeners, tell Scott what he's missing. Especially that wonderful saxophone solo from that mm. muscled dude at the, I guess it was in amusement park in the area. You'd, wow. Yeah, it sounds like I'm missing a, a lot of great stuff, Christian. Thank you. Under Flukinger's orders, the town people began to dig up all the bodies of the recently deceased. Forty bodies were disinterred and 17 were found to be in the same preserved state as Paul's and Milo's body. All uh -oh. the bodies were staked and burned. In 1732, a report of Flukinger's activities was presented to the emperor. This report soon became a bestseller, and by March 1732, the accounts were being circulated in papers in both France and England. Due to the documentation of the case, these attacks became the focus of future studies and reflections on vampires, and Arnold became the most famous vampire of the era. Such reports of vampire activity caused, caused a stir. Since so many bodies had been mutilated in relation to these cases, the church became involved. It was atrocious for some Catholics to imagine the bodies of Christians who were awaiting resurrection in their death to be mutilated and thus incapable of going to heaven. Paul's tale left a heated debate in the church over vampirism. Could you imagine that? What's on the agenda, fellow popes and priests? Vampires. Yeah. Out comes, uh, what's his name? Father, uh, who's Amorth? The, yeah, Father Amorth's um, relative. Mm. Constantine. A, yeah, he was a vampire hunter. Ran in the blood. Giuseppe Divanzati was reeled into the debate at the request of the of Cardinal 
Stratenbrock. They nailed both of those. The bishop, the bishop of Olmutz, which was in Germany, who sought the church's advice on the supposed vampire tax. Davanzati was was a learned archbishop of Trani, Italy. He spent five years studying the vampire problem and believed that the issue resulted from human fantasies, possibly of diabolical origins. He urged pastoral attention should be directed to the person reporting the vampire and that the bodies should be left undisturbed. So early, early victim blaming, I guess. Wow. But from a vampire sense. Well, Dovanzati was pursuing research. Dom Augustine Calmet was also attempting to answer the vampire problem. Calmet was known throughout France as a Bible scholar, and his, and his dissertation dealt with vampires. Calmet described in detailed re reports of Eastern vampires and called upon theologians to give the, ser the subject serious study. Calmet argued that the bodies were animated by devils or evil spirits, oh, no. which was a throwback to medieval thinking. Calmet did not find as much support among contemporaries for his beliefs as Davanzati did, but Calmet did hold popular support. I didn't realize the church was so involved in vampires. I mean, it kind of makes sense now, but yeah, it must have been fun to be like a church official back then with all those monsters and demons to fight before I mean, science wow. proved them all wrong. Wow, Christian. <laughs> Couldn't be more wrong yourself, but that's fine. Honestly, everything, everyone's pretty much used to it at this point. Got to keep my card. I'm going to burn that card to the ground. Any thoughts on that one? Dalmatudis. What? Dalmatudis. What is that? I don't get it. I'm just trying to say the name. Oh. Papa Udis. Papa Udis. All right. Next up, the Vampire Beast, Bladenboro. And this inf information comes from the Fayetteville Observer's Brian Gordon. We're going to move a little bit closer to our timeline here. For two weeks near the start of 1954, uh -oh. the town of Bladenboro was a frenzy. An animal was reported to be draining the blood of neighborhood animals. Eight dogs, a family of kittens, and at least one lamb were said to have fallen victim. This I'm, one's this one's easy for me. These were devil worshippers. Sure, why not? Early devil worshippers. Oh, but those aren't real, huh, Christian? The satanic panic is not a well. It was a thing, but hmm. that's that's another episode. Can't find your bearings. That's all right. According to Bladenboro Police, one dog was discovered mangled and lifeless, with only a few drops of blood left. Another dog while assisting a group of 500 men on a hunt for the creature was reportedly dragged into a nearby swamp screaming. Mm, that's not what you want. No. Eyewitness accounts in the Robsonian newspaper. What a dumb name for a newspaper. That's too hard to say. Mm. The newspaper described the beast as a three foot long feline weighing 90 pounds. Some said it sounded like a baby crying. Others compared its noise to a woman's shriek. Theories abounded on the, the perpetrator's identity. A man wolf, a mountain lion, wildcat, panther, bobcat, spotted leopard, or rabid dog. Authorities found two sets of tracks near where the animal appeared to have struck, leading them to believe the vampire beast had a mate. A lover. A vampire beast lover. Or just a friend. Hey mate, let's go, su yeah. let's go suck the blood of dogs. Yeah, I didn't realize he was Australian. Then on the night of January 4th, the beast struck its first and only human. Oh, no. A pretty 21-year-old mother, Miss Charles Kinlaw. I'm sorry, her name is Charles? Mrs. Charles hmm. Kinlaw. Meaning she has no name. I mean, it was the 50s. Yes, indeed. She couldn't even have a bank account without her wow. husband's name on it. Well, did she have a job? She might have. I don't know. I don't know, Miss Kinlaw, Mrs. Kinlaw. Well, maybe these are the details that you should have brought out, huh? What I do know, though startled, she escaped unharmed. The next day, 
Police Chief Fors said that the town of 790 people was as quiet as he'd ever known it. The newspaper called the period a five-day reign of terror. Wow. The effort to bring the beast to bay was, was a regional affair. Armed fraternity brothers from UNC traveled two hours south to partake in the hunt, and tracking dogs were brought in from Wilmington to the east. At one point, the area reportedly had somewhere between 800 and 1,000 hunters. The town was armed to the teeth, Blainboro Mayor Bob Fusel later recalled. Even small boys carried guns. Chief of Police Ray Force and I knew someone who surely knew. Police chief basically thought that eventually somebody was going to get shot by mm. accident. News of the vampire beast of Bladenboro was widespread, appearing in newspapers from California to Massachusetts. Uh -huh. in, a, in an editorial, the Robsonian equated the terror the animal wrought to another menace visited upon locals the prior year. And that was the Ku Klux Klan. Beautiful. That's what you want to hear. Yeah. In a vampire story. <laughs> I know. I was pretty surprised. The beast of Bladen has been striking at night against other animals that are comparably defenseless against its attack. Its tactics rem resembles those of the Ku Klux Klan, which also prefers to strike at night, overpowering comparably defenseless victims with the force of numbers and weapons. And I think that's what one of the town officials said, which is, mm. I mean, I'm not a fan of the Ku Klux Klan, but that seems like a reach. Projecting. Yeah. In the mid-January, the shooting of a local bobcat tempered local residents' concern, and by the end of the month, reports of animal attack that had faded away. There are people around now who claim they still see something that appears to be that cat-like creature. Don White, president of Boost the Burrow, says that. Boost the Burrow. Nice. Yeah. Come Next see dog. our demon blood-sucking cat. Come rub my large head. <laughs> you, you are not a normal person first thing in the morning. Come at me, bro. Before we get into another story, I'm going to talk about something called Strigis. Strigoi? That's another way to say it. The bird that inspired the bat. Title of this one. The bird and the bat. The Strigis are bird-like bloodsuckers. Their origins tend to come from the ancient Greeks and Romans. We find their first appearance in popular media of the time in Ovid's poem, Fasti, way back in 8 AD. That is way back. Way back. The Strix, plural Strigis or Strixus, in the mythology of classical antiquity was a bird of ill omen, the product of metamorphosis that fed on human flesh. It also referred to witches and related malevolent folkloric, and I say this purely for the entertainment of Scott and our listeners, beans. I encountered a bean. <laughs> As I started reading that, I'm like, what did I write? No, 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 please. The Greek term strigoi is also related and refers to malevolent spirits or vampires. Mm. The strict is described as a large-headed bird with transfixed eyes, rapacious beak, grayish-white wings, and hooked claws, at least in, in Ovid's Fasti. This is the only thorough description of the strict in classical literature. Elsewhere, it is described as being dark-colored. And for this one, I found somebody on Reddit talking about it. I don't know how to say their name. It's S-Z... Or Z for those of us, for wow. those in other you countries. You would, man. It's a Z. Come on, there's only one letter. S-Z-Y-L-V for our international listeners. He's talking about the Roma Romanian vampire Strigoi. And he says, Dracula is a fictional story, but this is a real story. Romanians believe that vampires exist. We call them Strigoi, the ones who scream. That's the translation of the word. The ones who scream? Yes. Well, 
Strigoi are evil spirits that come at night to torment people by calling out their names. Strigoi are thirsty for blood, just as vampires, and they can come in human or animal form. Strigoi are completely free on St. Andrew's night, which is the 30th of November. The Strigoi drinks for free on St. Andrew's night? Hey everyone, it's St. Andrew's night. So, as we record, that day's coming up. I know. I'll use Strigoi, get ready. That's right. It's time. My great-grandmother told my mom that she heard a Strigoi calling out her name. She said that it was very important to remain silent, otherwise bad things could happen. They have the power to cause health issues to people who, who respond to their calling. Does that remind you of anything else we've talked about? It oddly reminds me of the, I'm not sure, it should be out by now, the episode six of Sleep With The Lights On, the guy outside the front door. Oh, yeah. A little bit. Also reminds me of, like, uh, the Kushtaka. Kushtaka, mm. as you say. As I say, or as the people that berate us online say. They don't really berate us. They berate us. They tear us down. I, I say, Yeah, I do yeah. cry. It's all right, though. Honestly, guys, we're doing this for, for the love of the game, you know, not so much for the accolades that come with it. And there are many. Yeah, countless even. I can't count a single one. <laughs> so when my mom was a child, the whole community, along with the priests, went to the cemetery to kill a vampire. A man from the village died. He was a sinner, or so everyone said. His family started to experience weird stuff, and they could hear him calling out their names. Soon all members of the family fell ill. That's how they decided their relative was a Strigoi. My mother remembers that they used a wood stake to kill the creature. She remembers noises coming from the grave. My great-grandmother was there, too. She said that the man looked like he was sleeping, even though there were six months since he had died. So, and then we have some more information on the Strigoi. Says, the, what did he say? The world is a Strigoi? Yes. Hmm. Yes, he did. But then Billy Corgan changed it up and didn't attribute. Classic. Yeah. Classic Corgan, really. Yeah. Their appearance, we're going to go with their appearance first. Strigis are typically described as small winged creatures resembling birds or bats. They have sharp beaks or pubises. Excuse me? No, probisis. Oh. Probisis. <laughs> that they use to pierce the flesh of their victims and extract blood. So like a, a mosquito. Hmm. Your favorite bug. Yeah, definitely. In many mythologies, Strigis are portrayed as bloodsuckers. They are often associated with vampiric tendencies and are believed to feed on the blood of living beings, particularly livestock and occasionally humans. Strigis can be found in various forms in different cultures. For example, in Slavic folklore, these creatures are called Strix or Strizga. Wow. Or Strizga. If you're Slavic, please help us. Yeah, send help. Christian is not having a great time over there. They're also mentioned here is Nosferatu. And this, Who's that? He's got a movie. Oh. And this is from Romanian mythology. It's associated with the vampire culture folklore in Romania and is one of the earliest references to vampires. These creatures are believed to be revenants who returned from the dead to drink the blood of the living. Nosferatu is a modern word derived from the old Slavonic word Nosferatu. Atu, or something like that. Borrowed from the Greek nosophoros, a plague carrier is what it means. Mm. Vampires were associated in the popular mind with the spread of disease such as tuberculosis, whose cause was otherwise unknown, at least at the time, and by extension with the idea of spreading the infection of vampirism through its bite. It is not a Romanian word and is not found in Romanian dictionaries. It was originally a technical term in the old Slavonic that filtered into common speech. 
It has erroneously been reported to mean undead, concept developed by Bram Stoker for Dracula in 1897. And elsewhere, as a reference to the devil, it appears to have entered literature through the popular travelogue of Emily Gerard's The Land Beyond the Forest. And this was written in 1885, in which she said, More decidedly evil is the Nosferatu, or vampire, in which every Romanian peasant believes as he does in heaven or hell. Classic. I also have a fun fact in here. I will be the judge of that, Christian. I've heard some of your fun facts before. Bonnie Tyler's song, Total Eclipse of the Heart, mm-hmm. which was originally called Vampires in Love. That's what the songwriter says. Jim Steinman. Wow. Its original title was Vampires in Love because I was working on a musical of Nosferatu. The other great vampire story, he says. If anyone listens to the lyric, they're really like vampire lines. It's all about the darkness, the power of darkness, and love's place in the dark. And so I figured, whoever's going to know, it's Vienna. And then I just had to take it take it out. So I guess mm. it didn't make it into his play, but it made it into Bonnie Tyler's song. Wow. Well, I had a lot of fun with that, Christian. Thank you. So it was a fun fact. Yeah. Okay. I'm, yeah, very excited over here. Almost as if there's been a total eclipse of my heart by just listening to that. Are you too young to remember that song? No, I am aware of the song, Christian. How many times have you been like, are you aware? How do you know this band? How do you? Christian, I've heard many songs. Okay, many songs. How dare you? Yeah, but you didn't experience that song playing on the radio every day like I did. Well, and I am probably better because of that. You are. It's yeah. not one of my favorites, but it was catchy. Yeah. We're going to go to the Highgate Vampire. Ooh, yeah. And this one, the info comes from Far Out Magazine by Sam Kent. From Far Out Magazine? Yes. Sounds reliable. Well, it was the 60s, so. Far out. Far out, man. Literally and figuratively and metaphorically. Yes. The reports started coming into the British Psychic and Occult Society in March 1969. At first, it seemed to be nothing more than local gossip. Everything became serious when a man claimed to have had first down first-hand encounter with what would soon be called the Highgate Vampire. The victim said that something sinister was lurking in the shadows. Hey. I've heard so much about that show lately. Lurking in the shadows. It, I mean, not lurking in the shadows. Oh, what we do in the shadows? What we do in the shadows. See, I was referencing our YouTube show for like the 20th time, and you just never get it, Christian. You just never, you I could never remember that line. That's What line? Exactly, man. Exactly. It's fine. Honestly, you can't like, I'm like not good with, with one, remembering one, one sentence, sub- one subject to another. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm in the moment like a dog. Well, probably as smart as one too. Is. Wow. <laughs> yeah, sure. As he circles his tail endlessly. Remember Bristol not having a tail? I do remember. I that. don't know. We, none of us know how she did not, how she did not have a tail. She caught her little nub in a couple times though. Yeah. Very impressive. So the victim said that something sinister was lurking in the shadows, and from those shadows, this entity was able to hypnotize him. While trying to get away through an exit, he found that he was lost and confused. He stumbled around in the dark of night until he felt a presence. The presence was behind him. Spinning around quickly, he saw a tall figure, but then it vanished. It didn't take long for someone else to encounter a dark shadow. Two teenage girls were walking home when they claimed to see spirits of the dead rising from their grave. So the rapture had happened, and no one but the two girls noticed. Before the, the foxes started dying, a lady in her later years saw a dark man with 
glaring eyes while she was walking her dog. So in February 1970s, local papers noticed a strange thing. So I mentioned foxes dying. I don't remember mentioning it before then. But in the paper, a title read, Why Do the Foxes Die? Why do the fox die? Ouch, ouch, ouch. No, I'm not going to bring back that song from... So what I did was I wrote in here, I'm not sure, but I think the subtitle was What Did the Fox Say at the End? Wow. Wow, we are on the same page, Christian. Look at that. What a horrible page for me to be on. Disgusting. Get me out of this page. So basically the Highgate thing. Recently, people started seeing things around the cemetery. It got in the local tabloids, probably some of the ones we have on the wall. Maybe. I see werewolf. I see UFO attacks. I see Bigfoot. And it may not be on our wall, but I've that's where I first heard about the vampire of Highgate was in papers like what we have our studio plastered in. So I just wanted to also throw a couple before we get into what we what we might think is the cause of vampires. I got the one thing I got to tell you about, though, before I we talk mm. about anything else. The Penang Galan. I was hoping you'd mention the Penang Galan. It's a mystical creature or supernatural being. You're welcome. In Southeast Asian folklore. I encountered a being, particularly in Malaysia, Indonesia, and the Philippines. It is often described as a female creature that detaches its head from its body and flies around at night to feed on the blood of living humans. Rub my large head. Yes. That I've detached from my body. Mm -hmm. And typically, this thing would feed on infants and pregnant women. The name Penangalan is derived from the Malay word tangal, which means to remove or to detach. It has its roots in Malay folklore and has been passed down through generations. The exact origins and historical development of the legend are difficult to trace, but it is believed to have been influenced by various cultural and supernatural beliefs over time. One common version of, of the story suggests that she was once a midwife or a woman who practiced dark magic. Uh-oh. Through her desire for supernatural power, she made a pact with malevolent spirits or demons, which allowed her to detach her heads and organs, not just her head, but her organs, from her body. This granted her the ability to become a nocturnal, blood-sucking creature. Detach my large head. Yes, yes. It, ooh. it is described as a terrifying and grotesque being with her entrails and spinal cord trailing behind her disembodied head as mm. she flies through the night. To return to human her human form, she must retach her head to her body before dawn. So her spine comes out with her head? And her entrails. Weird and... She's got to get that fixed. Just take your head off. Weird, no. and why haven't we seen this movie? That would be terrifying. That would definitely be terrifying. No, thank you. One other thing before we... This might lead into a discussion, but as mm. I was going through this, I found some other information about basically how in the near future, in our lifetimes, and definitely in your son's lifetime, mm -hmm. it'll be possible and maybe preferable for us all to be vampires mm. as we start harvesting the blood of younger people to make us healthier. Because Are we talking about... No. We're not, talk <laughs> we're not talking about any ridiculous the, conspiracy does it theories. Does with an A, Christian? No. No, we're not. We're talking about... And, and I think there's a guy, I don't know his name, but basically he's doing his own kind of like experiment wow, to, see, to see if it works. So he is like basically using like blood transfusions or... From youth? From his younger son. What the... There's like, I think three generations doing it and it, they all show, you know, better health. They're, they're younger supposedly. And then I'm sure there's a lot of science that needs to be done in this because it's a still kind of a, one of those weird 
things where they have a little bit of evidence that doing this, and they have done this in mice and rats, I believe, makes them healthier, keeps their their body, it makes their body heal I mean, faster. If you think about it, it's really just like a human oil change, you know? I mean, it makes perfect sense to me. You yeah. put, put the fresh stuff in. Get the old stank yeah. stuff out. Yeah. You, get, you clean out all the sludge and, and your body repairs itself quicker. You live longer. Sure. You're more, I mean, since it's men doing this, you know, there's, they're You more, know, they also hate women, right? They're, they're virile. Oh, gotcha. You know, less, less need for a Viagra if you're, mm. you're, if you're using your son's blood. So, you know, maybe this is how college students will put themselves through school in the future. Just go donate blood. To vampires. Unfortunately, technologies like this tend to be only for the rich at first, and then they tend to screw it up, and then they make it to where your insurance doesn't pay for it when you're just a normal person, so. Now, what happens if you get transfused blood into you, right? Mm -hmm. Just a complete oil change, you know? Right. And then you go out and you cause a crime. And as you're leaving the store, you accidentally cut your hand on a piece of glass and a drop of blood falls to the floor. And they come in and they're like, forensics, now. They take a little dab of it. Well, they don't take it. You get it. And yeah. then they do the, is it that person? They do or the DNA they, test yeah. and they find out that, that uh, Saku from Japan committed the murder. Yeah. Even though he was physically in Japan at the time, but his blood was there and he's convicted in a United States court. I, I don't mean, know, man. That's I, I would think that was enough of you left. Once that, it's flowing in the in the system, it's probably so mixed. There's probably yeah. maybe it would leave a, some genet genetic markers and maybe it's a good question. But this is technology to pay attention to mm. if you're getting older like me. Yeah. But it's not yeah. the crazy theory that some people think we're talking about that. There's this vast global conspiracy. In uh, my opinion, there is absolutely not. Uh, and this is a kooky, one of the kooky conspiracies. Uh, but some people believe it. And some people think I'm wrong. And, and, and I'm okay with that. And some people would be correct. To some, some people in this scenario would be correct. And it's just. Yeah, and it's usually. I mean, it's usually me, but. It's usually not you is what I was actually aiming towards. But now I. Yeah, that's uh, creepy, nonetheless. I don't know why you do that to your family. That seems weird. Do what? Live longer? Yeah, why would you live longer for your family? They're like, get out of here, Grandpa. We're tired of you. Like, I mean, hey, maybe. I'm 185, little asshole. Well, I mean, there's theories now that your son mm. can live to be 150. Well, I don't think he's going to want to do that, given the current state of the world. But maybe by then it'll be better. So, yeah, imagine. And we're back to imagine all the people. Yeah. But either way, what do you think, like, as we went through some of these stories, and, and we have more, so we may do some some short videos or stuff than in the future, because there was a lot of, I have a little short one. Yeah, there was a lot of information out there that, and some pretty interesting tales from across the world mm. and across time. But what, what are some of your thoughts on what caused the vampire scares that we hear about? I have theories, but I want to hear you first. It just opens my eyes a little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know, man. I mean, some of it's ridiculous, obviously, you know. I can also understand, given the times. Well, like the one, I believe it was the Strigoi, were like considered disease carry. Like, they spread disease. And yeah. the disease that seems to pop up a lot is probably what they called consumption back then, but it's tuberculosis. Eating too much? No. <laughs> yeah. And they called it consumption because the way your body, it cons consumes, consumes your body. And that seems to be the thing that pops up a lot of times with these older tales. Yeah. There were probably some plagues going around, you know, especially the ones before they knew about the Black Plague. 
that sure. would just pop up in certain areas, certain villages, devastate it, and then be gone. And back deuces. After they, but they had burned all the bodies, staked the hearts, and drank the ash slurry for, from their dead relatives. So they all died as well. Yeah. So it's a that's, weird. That's yeah, my there's theory. a lot of weirdness in there. I never have seen anything. I mean, I think the biting on the neck and the sexiness of modern vampires, like you say, the sexing sexiness. I mean, because oh. that's that's the way we look at vampires now. I mean, mm. you know, a lot of people liked it. Sparkly Edward. You know, other people like different different characters that have played vampires and been attracted to them. And Anne, mean, Anne Rice made a living off vampires. And that is very true. You know, so yeah, it's an interesting creature and the lore, and it's it's very rare for us to come across like topics and stuff. Like when even I just kind of pitched this episode, I was like, this is kind of weird, right? Vampires, but there's a lot of stories out there, man. Like I don't think it makes sense as a whole. And maybe we're misidentifying it as something entirely different that doesn't really stick to or adhere to the common vampire lore. Maybe there's stuff out there that, like, you know, consumes blood and does all that stuff. But the idea of it alone is just something I've never been able to grasp. I'm like, I don't know. I can see a gigantic hairy person in the woods. Sure. I can see ghosts walking through hallways and whatnot. Absolutely. But vampires, it's always been very difficult for me. Yeah, to me, the ghost and the hairy thing walking through the forest are maybe a little more feasible than a vampire to me. But the vampire has been around so long. And, it, and when I started with the, talking about Lilith, not your typical vampire, yeah. but the typical type of story from the, from back in the day yeah. about how vampires basically consume people, whether it's through just taking them, taking them out in whatever ancient ways they used to or sucking their blood. Ooh, yeah. But I still feel like most of these cases are tuberculosis, at least in more of the, you know, the last three, four, five hundred years. Well, that's your own prerogative, you know. But brother, the Brothers Grimm, they might have different ideas if they were still around today as they were walking around the true. forest and Germany and catching all these stories. They probably came across some good ones. I absolutely believe that. Yeah, very true very true and uh, i guess we'll see if your opinion changes at all next week when we get into some personal accounts from uh people that are probably still alive you know we got some some very interesting stories to go over and like i said i'm not even fully convinced of them i found them i was like oh these are entertaining enough there's a few that make no sense to me where i'm like oh that's pretty wild but i don't know if it was a vampire so I was kind of torn between putting this in like unexplainable episodes or just in straight up like, oh, we're going vampire. And you know what? We're going vampire. We're going to do that next week. Part yeah. two, modern stories. If you guys have any of your own, uh, throw them in the Facebook group. It's always good seeing that uh, or stuff that we missed maybe. And I swear to God, the first person to comment a picture of the count getting a gold star. But that's a- uh, Who's your favorite vampire? I'd like to go. know that. Yeah, if you're listening on YouTube, comment below. If you're not listening on YouTube, yell it in the room wherever you are, no matter who's around you. Just scream it at the top of your lungs. I'm gonna, my favorite vampire is the one that we left out that we're gonna do a video on. The Count, gotcha. Elizabeth, anyway. Yeah, Elizabeth Bathory. So uh, we didn't forget about her, we're just saving yeah. her for later, because she seemed like a real vampire in her own way. Yeah, that does kind of check out. Uh, in the meantime, as you wait for part two, be sure to follow us on social media at Pod, where you can interact and become friendly and just realize that we're also just weird people that happen to sit in a garage and talk about weird stuff. So we're looking for friends, obviously, is what I'm saying. Yeah, right. we need we need 
we need to fill up the studio because it's like 15 below outside. It we need, really we is. need some, some warmth in here. We need warm bodies. Anyway, like a vampire. Yeah, almost exactly like a vampire. Anyway, yeah, subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. Tell your friends, guys, this is literally the only way to help us spread the show is to, if you're at the grocery store and someone's like, hey, I wish I knew a really cool podcast. And you're like, hey, guess what? I got one for you. That situation probably never going to play out. But tell your friends, rate and review the show if you are a fan. These things do truly help us out. And we appreciate each and every one of you for it. We'll be right back here next week for Vampires Part 2. Goodbye. Boogaloo. Wow. You and your 80s references. Hmm? Said you and your 80s references. That one it just opens that my movie eyes. That such little. a dumb title that it is like stuck in my brain from the very time. That's it came exactly out. why it worked, though. Yeah, I mean, it was.